Thank you, Paul. And good to see you all here on a, another beautiful summer day. Let's take our Bibles once again and turn to Acts, the book of Acts. Your Bibles are probably starting to fall open to it. Acts chapter 10, we find ourselves once again today. Um, as, we, as you're turning there, it's amazing to see this book of Acts, which is uh, probably the most historical book in the sense of every single thing that's here happened. And it happened at just the right time, literally... This group here, even as we're, we're, here, to, we're here today, uh, that's the reason we're here, is Acts chapter, well, 10, ultimately, but even Acts, it's the coming of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus Christ left, Jesus Christ was dead, he was buried, oh, well, he was crucified, <laughs> crucified, dead, and buried, and rose from the dead. An amazing thing. And that's, uh, there's a guy, if, if, if you're living on this planet, you should have two questions. Did anybody ever cheat death? And is there a way for me to do that? That literally is it. I mean, it doesn't take anybody too long to say, death is the problem. <laughs> right? How do I get through that? How do, how do I get away from that? Was there a way through it? And so those two questions literally, did someone cheat it? And how do I get on? Or how do I get out? How do, is there a way for me to do that? Uh, and there's only one. Uh, if you could do a tomb study or a grave study, if you go to Buddha's, Buddha's is busy. It's there. He's there. He's there. Muhammad, he's there. We could go on, right? Everybody's there. Except for Jesus. It's empty. I say praise God. I mean, anything else can happen on this planet, but to know that my Savior, the one I'm trusting and that you're trusting in, is gone and he is literally living in heaven. There is nothing more grandiose than all of that. That's the power of the resurrection. If he has not rose from the dead, I have nothing to tell you. A good man, a good teacher, you've heard it all. That's what Jesus was to anyone that doesn't know him personally. No, a thousand times no. Jesus is the one that cheated death, and he provided a way for you to escape it as well. That's the most fabulous news I can give. And that's really literally why I'm standing before you. I don't really get in, I don't enjoy getting in front of people. Um, it's, it's not my, well, it is my gift that God gave to me. I, I don't like doing it, honestly. And you say, well, why are you here? Because God wants me to do this. And I want to do what God wants me to do. Okay. But for me to just get in front of, in front of a group of people to talk about stuff, I can do it. But this is the one thing that means everything. Talk about Jesus. We sang a little chorus. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus, right? And we're going to find in this passage in Acts chapter 10 that, guess what? Peter's going to talk about Jesus. So let's go there, knowing that this is probably for us, to be the Gentiles, the most amazing thing that's taken place. Um, we're going to start in verse 33. Uh, last week we read the, you know, the first part of the chapter. Um, let's just start in verse 33. And what's happened, at, just before we begin there, just bring our context together. Uh, Laramie, if you could throw that map up here one more time. It'll show us where we're at geographically, but it'll also tell us that of what's taken place. God is doing a whole lot of preparation. And it's amazing. Uh, I, and I love that story that I found. It's not the first time, but I shared it with you several weeks ago, that uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon 
met five young men at the door without announcing who he was. They came to see this amazing church, right? They've heard about, you know, thousands and thousands of people is packed early, and so they came early to just get a glimpse, to get, to maybe get a seat, to maybe get a seat. Think of that for a moment, folks. That's the Spirit working. Well, how does that happen? And this man met him at the door and says, can I help you? And they said, well, we, you know, we're just kind of here. He said, I'll tell you what, would you like to see the heating apparatus? And the, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm reviewing, but it, it just hits me every time. And, you know, they're like, look at the furnace. <laughs> Not really. I mean, I don't really need to see the furnace. Right? But, you know, being polite, they went with him and he marches down, go downstairs and goes through a long hallway, keep going. And they take a left and opens up into a, a room of which he said, this is, this is the heating apparatus. This is what makes it all work. It's prairie. 700 people were praying at the bottom of that church that blew the world apart. That's what it's about. It just captures me. At any rate, I'll get through this. Um, so we have Joppa. That's where, that's where Peter's hanging out. Peter got there. Um, you remember that story? He heals a guy that was a paral- a paralyzed for eight years. And then he raises someone from the dead, Tabitha or Dorcas, right? And so he's just being prepared. God is preparing him. Well, in meanwhile, back in Caesarea, which is about, you know, you can see probably 50 miles away, um, he's being prepared for something that's going to change the world. This is about 10 years after the Pentecost. I don't know if you knew that or not, but time went very slowly. And then when the, when the persecution of, of uh, what's his name, Stephen took place, boom, the gospel started to go north. It started to go to Samaria. And all of it was just like time went on and it went on and went on. But before the Gentiles literally got saved, as we're going to see here, about 10 years took place. So... God is working. He's preparing hearts. He's preparing. And I, that, I, it just, that's the one thing. If you want to do something for our country, the more that you get on your knees before God, the more you prepare pray, prayerfully, I'll get it out, and let the Spirit do the work. Because without the Spirit doing the work, you got nothing. I say that again. Without the Spirit working, you have nothing. It's just you or whoever else. The groundwork, the preparation was made. I mean, this is so fantastic what preparation. We're going to read it now. You say, are we going to ever read this path? Yes, we will. The amazing part is, you know, Peter couldn't even finish his sermon. He didn't even get it done. And the spirit had taken hold. That's what we're talking about. With that, let's go now to Acts chapter 10 and let's, let's just dive in. Verse 33. Immediately, therefore, I, this is Cornelius speaking now, because he'd sent, three guys, he'd sent some men to Joppa to, to bring home this, this apostle. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast done well that thou art come. Thank you for coming, Peter. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God and to hear all things that are come, commanded thee of God? Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all of Judea, began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they slew and hanged on a tree. 
Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to, the, to us who did eat and drink with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then he then prayed they him to tarry certain days. May God add a special blessing in reading of his word. Let's just pause for prayer before we go any farther. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the passage of scripture. Thank you, literally, for preparing not only Cornelius' heart and the people that were with him, but also, Father, for preparing the messenger, for preparing Peter. This was, this was there were walls that had went up over the years. He had been raised a Jew of Jews. He had seen and known the separatist antics that had been very staunchly promoted. The enemies that were in the same room in the sense of Gentiles and Jews, Father, on this day you melted hearts together. You melted the hearts of all races, of all men and women to have the, avail the availability of the gospel through Jesus Christ. Father, our country needs it just as much today, maybe even more so. All of the divisions, all the divisiveness, which comes from the world system, society in itself. May Jesus break those walls down. Father, today, take us where you want us to be. May the Spirit take the word. Go to each one of us individually. The words that we need to hear, that we need to change, that means to make us more of what you want us to be. For a world that's gone crazy. For us to look a little bit more like Jesus. Thank you for him. And we thank you, Father, for what you're going to do in these moments because we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we have Cornelius says he's gathered up some of his family, some of his friends, and uh, they're they are now in Caesarea. Uh, Paul has, I'm sorry, not Paul, uh, Peter has joined them. He's actually taken, we found last week, six other Jewish believers or Jewish brethren. Those of, as it's quoted here in the, what we just read, those of the circumcision. That word is used because there was a sense of differentiation of the Jews through all nations, through all, for everyone, the Jews were the only people that were circumcised. And they took a great deal of pride in that. They saw them as being special. They were really special in their own eyes. And they saw no one actually, um, then the purity of that, the Samaritans. And this is the beauty of Acts. The book of Acts is so beautiful in seeing how the Holy Spirit now is coming on every person that trusts Christ as Savior. Now, let me say that again. I mean, we say it and say it, but every single believer, anyone that ever trusts Christ as Savior, receives instantaneously the Holy Spirit in his fullness did you get that soaked in? That's amazing. We'll be talking about that as we go on as well. Because, and, the, and the point of the matter is, at this, it's just like our world today. I mean, there's, there's isms and there's, there's 
differences. And, and it's like we're raising that to the highest levels, right? Now, the only thing that no one can do now, if you're woke or whatever that thing is all about, is the fact that you really can't delegitimize anyone as long as everyone's sort of included and nothing could ever really be remotely regarded as truth. That's the most bogus division that I know of already. We're dividing ourselves from truth. Also, we are dividing ourselves from truth. I never said it out loud before. That's what's happening in our nation. We're dividing ourselves from truth. Wow, that's, that's from the Spirit right there. We are dividing ourselves from truth. That pretty much epitomizes what's going on. But this was taking place thousands of years ago. So what are we going to do if we're going to start a new church? And that's the word that Jesus used. And he said that Peter would have the keys. He literally has the keys to the kingdom, the keys to the church. Well, we're first of all going to make, have to make sure that we're following the same level of authority. We know in Jerusalem that they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. They spoke in languages. That all of those who had been gathered to the Feast of Pentecost, they understood in their home language the glory of God, the wonderful works of God in their own language, of which they'd never heard that before, the Gentile language in which they participated in life. That was crazy. And it was all of those 120 that were given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not some, every single one of those. And how did they know? Well, how would you know? Like if someone comes to Jesus Christ today, there may even be someone here in this midst. It may be someone that hears my voice. Who knows? Ten years from now. It doesn't matter. When that person comes to Christ, how do you know? You don't. The Holy Spirit instantaneously, invisibly takes possession, takes presence. Uh, we are the temple of God. Think of that for a moment. If it was something that was uh, uh, categorically by steps, you got to do spiritual push-ups or spiritual pull-ups, or you got to do all this exercise stuff to get the Holy Spirit. What a bunch of nonsense. Uh, think of the Corinthians. You know, you, those were crummy Christians. Right? You can call them what you want, carnal Christians. They were crummy Christians. I'm going to just be honest. They were crummy Christians, right? It was in name only in a lot of cases. And you know what? Even Paul said in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, Know you not that your temple, I mean, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. All of those, those crummy Christians. And some days I feel like a crummy Christian. <laughs> I think we all do. We're smiling, don't we? Because there's the days there's sometimes we just feel crummy. But you know what? You are no less occupied or inhabited by the Holy Spirit than the days that you may feel with a power where you've yielded to him, where you've given him every sense of obedience and, and, and earnest or an... Uh, I want to I look at something right now. just popped in my mind. Let's go to uh, Psalm. As, as you're turning there, Psalm 119, it'll take you a while to file, dial into this verse. We're going to look at verse 60. But it's interesting that there's obedience. In other words, I have to do this because I have to do this. And that was kind of like when Dad said to do something, there wasn't a lot of thought if I should do it. It's just I needed to do it. But I could not really be joyful about it or, or earnestly expectant about it, right? You know what I'm talking about. I obeyed because there was sort of the fear of whatever you want to say, right? But there's another obedience that is one that is a joyful obedience. You can't wait to do it because you love the person that you're pleasing or that has asked to be obeyed. You see, this, and that's actually somewhat within a marriage, a love of a husband and a wife. I mean, it's amazing. When you want, you want to please that person. Unless the husband has been asked by the wife, could you do the dishes, honey? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm intruding in other territory. At any rate, but I want you to think of that as a difference, okay? Now, watch the, watch the, the writer of Psalm. I'll get there in a moment. Psalm 119, and actually, uh, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's amazing the sense of the truth and his, 
his, uh, his love for it. So Psalm, I'll be there in a second. Well, we keep going. 119, there we go. In verse 60, I believe it is. Let's take a quick look. Psalm 119, verse 60. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. You see what? That's an eagerness to do what God has asked. And Psalm 119, that would be some homework this afternoon. Do you guys do any of my homework or not really? Good, good, good deal, right? Just curious. Because <laughs> I'm not here. But isn't it amazing, though, how rich the Word of God is? And it's so full. It's so fulfilling. And it just drives us to a sense of eagerness. And, and that verse right there, this was a man that literally was not only thinking on, his, on God's ways, but he was making haste. And he was not going to delay at all in fulfilling those commandments. So let's go back to Acts for a moment. Now, Acts chapter 10. And uh, as we un- unwrap this, we've got the church has come together in Jerusalem. It's come together in Samaria. We've actually had some of John's the Baptist, John the Baptist's disciples that didn't know anything about what would have taken place. And again, a separate instance to bring, what is the authority? What's the authenticity? What is the stamp or the seal that we would want to have in this universal church? And the church is not, it's not this building. It's not any building anywhere. You know, they'll talk about the cathedral, whatever. No, 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 no. That's not the church. It's a living, breathing organism of which you, if you've trusted Christ, are part of it. Okay? What would be the thing we want as a seal of that? Well, it's very obvious. If you take Acts and you think about the concept of the beginning of the church, historically, day by day, watching this just unfold, the one thing that sticks out is the fact that the Holy Spirit is the seal that makes the deal. And so that's why it's been so emphatic about how the Spirit has been used and the presence of it to make sure that it's understood that each and every one of those groups that have accepted Christ are also authenticated by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not just the sense of tongues, and tongues would be languages, but it was the sense of setting forth an example or an authority or a validation that the Spirit is in each and every one of these, these groups. It's not the church of Jerusalem. It's not the church of Samaria. It's not the church of the Gentiles. Can you imagine? It's all, it would all be separate. It would all be segregated. But when the Holy Spirit, in fact, we'll watch how Paul, I'm sorry, Peter, will talk about going back to Jerusalem, instigating, uh, it, it, reviewing this process that took place. He said, the same spirit has fallen on the same, on the Gentiles as it did on us. That's wild. I mean, I can't tell you how wild that is. I don't know what the greatest division is even racially or whatever it is within our country today. You can take it times a thousand, and now you just begin to scratch the surface between what the animosity between a Jew and a Gentile was at this point. And we've got a Jew that has been prepared by God to go and speak to and give the same message of Jesus Christ to a Gentile. That's what this is about. And to see how Peter starts off is amazing. He says, immediately he says, now God has set me up. He wants us to hear this. Now you are going to tell us what we're supposed to do. Now that's preparation, isn't it? Absolutely God has. Now here's another thing. Uh, I don't know if you think about this very much, but there's people today that maybe haven't even been identified. You know, they're probably in a jungle who knows where, right? Haven't even been identified. 
Uh, I, I was actually, th speaking of John MacArthur, he spoke, or I was reading something that he wrote. Uh, he was way up in the high, high mountains of the Andes in South America. A missionary had taken him up there. And he said, we would go to this little town, and it was, it was just as backwoods as you could possibly, you know, there's, there's dirt streets and the sewage is, it's just, it's just as simple as you could make it. And way out of the way. I mean, this isn't on a thoroughfare. How they found these people, we don't need. It's, it's hard to know. It's, you know, who would know? And he said, we kept walking and we go through some more, you know, just trails. And he said, I heard what I thought was the music to what a friend we have in Jesus. A different language, but. And he, so he says, and he, we go up to this just kind of a shanty thing, you know, just the shade over. And he says, just look in here. And he said, I couldn't, John said, I couldn't even get into this little building. It was standing room only because they were worshiping God. God is no respecter of persons. Isn't that cool? Amen. That's fantastic. And he's still looking. And, there's, and the other thing is, is, you know the biggest jungle to me today? Are the big cities. I still, I, I'll just share this quickly because it still speaks to me. Uh, Lisa and I had just gotten married. Uh, it was 1983. And uh, we, through her mother, some, anyway, Bonnie, her sister, lived in... Uh, it was a suburb of Los Angeles. And over Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's, um, I think it was Lisa's mother got plane tickets, and so we go down there. And I didn't know how little I really wanted to go there until we uh, got out at LAX. Woo! <laughs> and I knew we were going to get killed that night. I knew we were. <laughs> but anyway, Urban picked us up, and I'm hiding behind the front seat of the car. I mean, it's just, it, I wasn't, this cowboy wasn't ready for that. I'm just going to be honest. I wasn't ready for that. And so we get where we're going, and we go behind this lock gate community, and we, you know, we're, we're good. And the next morning, I'm going to just walk out. I'm going to go, you know, you know, just do a little walk. And so, you know, you get out of this gated community thing, which is a whole new concept to me. I don't lock my gates and my barbed wire fences, right? I mean, that's not real, but whatever. And I go down to this little corner store. And I walk in, and it's, it, it's probably 6 o'clock. It's fairly early. And, you know, I open the door, and there's a little gal there. And I said, good morning, how are you? And she's got the look of fear. I mean, she's just looking, and I thought, am I that? I didn't look in the mirror this morning. I mean, that rough, you know, or whatever. So I quickly, I'm going to get an L.A. Times. So I get a newspaper, and I, I get it, and I walk out. And I'm like, what? this is crazy. I mean, what the? And she's just terrorized. You can just tell. So I'm, you know, I'm thinking about that, walking back, and get, get, get upstairs. And I say to Irvin, I, my brother-in-law, I said, um, where did I go wrong? I mean, what, what's going on? Well, he says, you don't talk to people down here. You don't look at them. You know, it's just a matter of fact, like I should have known that. Now, you know what? That's a jungle of urbanization that is destroying us from the inside. Isn't that crazy? The jungles aren't out in the woods anymore. The jungles are in the cities. We have neighbors that don't know each other. Those are walls that have went up. Jesus needs to rip them down. Peter, it says, I think this is pretty cool. So let's go back here in Acts chapter 10. Then it says, <laughs> then Peter opened his mouth. And I'm like, how is he going to say something if he doesn't open his mouth, right? That seems like sort of redundant. But honestly, in the Greek, it's like, this is going to be good. This is something that is really heavy. Okay, so here he goes. Now, keep in mind who he has there. He has Gentiles. He has Jewish, I mean, people of the circumcision. And who knows elsewhere? They're, who knows? But it's a mixed group. I can't imagine you could cut the tension in the air with a knife. 
Guarantee you could. This isn't something that happened. And for Peter to actually lodge them, we remember going back last week, reviewing for a moment, he actually lodged those three Gentile men that came to get him. That is over the top. If you were a Jew's Jew, poof, you just cooked yourself. You're defiled. Now he's going, he's entered into a Gentile house. This is over the top. This is, but God had prepared hearts. God's doing the preparation. God sovereignly is in charge. He opens his mouth and he says this. Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Whoa. That, we, we could, you know, we'll read over that. I've read that verse a million times. Maybe not a million, but you, know, you get the idea. You know what he's saying? Salvation is available to everyone. No walls. No specialness. Salvation is available. Can you think of anything better today? You know, it doesn't matter if you're a transsexual. It doesn't matter if you're a homosexual. It doesn't matter if you're any sexual that is not perverted or that is perverted or not perverted. Everyone, you know what I'm saying? And the sexist, that whole camp today is so colluded and so reprobate in the mind. It's such a mental problem, right? I was in a long conversation with a man yesterday. Leave him nameless. It would be someone that you may know. He, he, to, he and his brother were the only uh, in his family. And his younger brother uh, is, is engaged in homosexual lifestyle now, back in California. And I can't tell you the hurt that's in that family. Now, this is a man that hasn't went to church very much. And I, I consider him to be a good friend. I consider him to be someone that is very still. He's, he's a good person. Okay? Don't know where he is with Jesus Christ. I, I, I don't think he's there. And yet, he's not, necess- he's not hands up. He's not, you know, like the walls are up. But when you hear this story, and I never, I've known him for years. This was on a long, I'm sitting in a chopper yesterday. It's probably an hour, hour and a half long conversation. And I will say this, this guy can talk. That's not something that I didn't know until yesterday. But at the same time, he said, I was, uh, I want to be a motorcycle mechanic. And uh, I worked on my bikes all the time. And he said, I worked on it really late. And my mom, who is actually, I would, ha- I would, I'll use the word, she was an alcoholic, okay? I'm not going to, I don't know what her past is, but he said she would, she would be mean when she was, uh, you know, inebriated. I, I learned to look. I knew if she was really cleaning things up, stay away. So he learned all of these languages. You know, there's, there's languages, right? That's his growing up, right? He said, well, I'd worked late, and she said, we all go to church. I'll leave that denomination out. It doesn't matter. It, it, it's irrelevant to me, okay? And so she comes in my bedroom and pours water in my face and says, we're going to church now. And he said, I think I said some things that weren't very good. I don't read, you know, and I'm sure he probably did, right? He said, when they went, he said, I'm not going. He's in high school. They go to church. They come home. And she throws all his stuff out in the yard and says, you are out of here now. See, now it's starting to understand why I was about to say his name and not going to. Now I understand why he's repulsed by going to church. Makes sense, doesn't it? Those were walls that went up. But Jesus Christ is saying that, Peter is saying this, no matter what, no matter who you are, where you're at, whatever your background is, literally God is no respecter of persons. We're all the same. Every single one of them. And salvation is available to you. Now, again, if you're a living, breathing person that knows the, right, the difference between right and wrong and you have some sense of, of intellect, 
it doesn't take long to figure out death is our biggest enemy. As long as there's obituaries, death happens. I'm astounded every once in a while this, at, at something that catches me sudden, someone that died prematurely from my perspective, someone that I would have never guessed had passed away, right? The fact of the matter is death is a fixed component that you're going to have to deal with. How am I going to deal with that? What is it? How is it that that can be escaped? See, something, no matter how busy the world is, no matter how crazy the society tries to, to chase us around, that issue right there is something a man or a woman has to deal with. I want you to pray for this man. I'm not even going to give you his name. It opened the door now that I can have a conversation. And I'm going to say, hey, I'll tell you what. I can't imagine what that must have... Because he, he actually borrowed a travel trailer and goes down to his grandpa's place and plugs in and he's living by himself in high school for two years. You think there's a little bit of separation? I said, how was that with your parents? He said, I don't know, we just... I don't know, we just did it. <laughs> Do you think there was some hurt? You better believe it. Do you think there's things said between the Gentiles and the Jews? That's the world we live in, isn't it? And for Peter to open his mouth, and this is the highest of the high Jews, and he says, God is no respecter of persons. Now, that's not fresh information. Let's take our Bibles for a moment. Let's take a look at uh, Romans chapter 2 and verse 11. Uh, Paul wrote this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 2, and let's take a look at verse, verse 11. Verse 11 of chapter 2 of Romans. In fact, let's start, let's start back in verse 10. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. That is as good as it gets. But let's go back to the Old Testament for a moment. Because wouldn't you think, remember what Peter's had to be trained. He's been learning new things. Here comes out of the sheet, remember, just to review a moment, the sheet of all of these things to eat. And he says, go ahead and eat. Just go, just, just go. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I'm not that guy because I've never eaten of the unclean. And there's a, see that little pride thing? Isn't that amazing? You can't kill that beast. That pride is everywhere, isn't it? It starts out really early, too, and it lasts really long. And it's around. It sticks around. And, but God is not a respecter person. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 10. The Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 17. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 17. In the Old Testament, and that's my point, is that the Jews had been selected. Their purpose was not so much as to be special. Their purpose was to see what God could do with them so the rest of the world would want God. That's what their, that's what their whole, the whole sense is. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10, and let's take a look at verse 17. Uh, let's back up just a second. Speaking of circumcision, verse 16, chapter 10 of Deuteronomy says, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. Ah, there's a, there's a thought. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and terrible, which regardeth not persons. Did you see it? He regarded not persons in the Old Testament as well. Uh, turn to Second Chronicles. Just keep moving to the right. Second Chronicles, chapter nineteen, and verse seven. Second Chronicles, chapter nineteen, and verse seven. 
Let's see, I gotta get there. Second Chronicles. The Bible's not playing fair today for me. Second Chronicles 19, verse 7. Wherefore, now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Pay attention. Take heed and do it. For there is no iniquity with the Lord your God, nor respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. In other words, you can't bribe God. How many people do you know of, and even we have to be careful ourselves, are you doing things to appease God? Are you doing things that are, quote unquote, works that you're trying to buy God's goodness? Oh, don't do that. No, no, you're too valuable to him. He sent Jesus before you were even saved. He, was, he, he saved you before you even knew you needed saving. No, it's not about that. Just be eager in your obedience, but you can't buy God. You can't bribe God. Why would you try? Why don't we try that? I think of all the religions today, and that's man reaching. That's what a religion is, is reaching up to God. What a waste of time. I want salvation. I want God reaching down to me. I want a relationship. Isn't that what we want? You better want it, right? God is no respecter of persons. Uh, the one that even is, uh, think of this in Second Peter, one of my favorite passages. And I'm, I'm here to say, just like I said last week, I have, I, when there's times of God's sovereignty and man's free will, that tension, um, I don't know how that fits all together. I really don't. But I'm okay because I know the one that makes it fit together is infinite and he's super just and he's awesome and there's nothing that he doesn't act on that is not in the highest level of holiness. I'm okay with that. Second Peter chapter three. Let's take a look here. Talk about no respect of persons. Now the concept is this. Uh, you know, everybody talks about the second coming, you know, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now I'm actually not looking for that one. I'm looking for the rapture. I'm waiting for that one. And there's a difference. Um, you know, there, it's amazing. Even I'll look at some church doctrinal statements, and they'll say that, that the rapture and the second coming, they see it as almost synonymous. They don't say it that way, but they just kind of group it together. No, no, a thousand times no. The rapture is, Jesus Christ is not coming to earth. He's not landing here. We're meeting him in the air. That church is going to meet him in the air. How <laughs> can you wait? I can't hardly wait. I can't hardly wait. His second coming, he's coming as judge. He's coming to do business. It's at the end of the tribulation. He lands on the Mount of Olives, and that mountain literally splits, is what it tells us. He's coming with power. All of the power that he had, even the first coming, but he, in mildness and in meekness, was looking not to destroy the Romans. He was to destroy Satan, who had control of hearts. They wanted someone to just get rid of the, the, the Romans, they failed to see their need to slay Satan who had taken their heart. That same Jesus on second coming will come. And the Jews, these ones we're talking about now, which now literally, have you noticed something? Have you noticed in Acts? We're no longer actually reaching out to the Jews in mass. Started there. Started right there in the temple. Started with the religious leaders. It's amazing too. In God's preparation work, in his sovereignty, there are two kinds of hearers. There are those that gladly hear and those that are mad, right? We have the same today. There's some places when you say Jesus Christ, just say his name. Woof! You want to fight in your hands? They're there. And you know what I'm talking about. It's the same as it was there. Remember when Peter 
gave his sermon for the Sanhedrin? Oh, they're furious because he made the same Jesus. It was nothing. Well, it was a different message. It wasn't a watered-down message. It was just about Jesus. And I don't want anybody watered out Jesus. You give me the whole package about Jesus. Don't give me the watered-down version. And anybody can come as long as you feel really good and you're really sincere. Any road will lead to heaven. That's baloney. That's wrong. That's a lie from hell. Jesus Christ himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father except by me. That's pretty exclusive. But you know what? If you're God, you can be exclusive. I can't be. God can be. That's God's way. That's God's choice. And so coming back, I, I kind of left, launched you out there in this jungle, right? We got off track because the jungles of New York are much more vast than it is the jungles of South America. How are they saved? How's that little kid that grows up in downtown Manhattan and up is skyscrapers? You can't even see the sky. You can, but you know what I'm saying. It's overshadowed by man's power. How is that child? How does he, how do, how do, how do you, how do you reach him? You look at our airwaves, our internet today is more clouded than it is clear, right? It's a mess. I don't know why I'm doing this, but let's go to Romans for a moment. And this, is, this has helped me, but there's something else. And we see it in Cornelius' life. I don't know how far we're going to get today. If you notice, it's probably not going to matter either, probably, right? So let's take a look. Uh, Romans chapter 1. This is a verse that may help you as well. But it says this. Uh, actually, in verse 16, how do we walk away from that? This is the theme of the whole book of Romans. Romans can take about 10 years to go through if you really want to get after it. But Romans chapter 1, verse 16 is this. And this is Paul saying, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You bet he wasn't. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Did you see it? No walls. To everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amazing. And then let's keep going. Down to verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. It's in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse. See, that helped me a bunch. Because I'm sitting, as, just as a youngster, I'm thinking, oh, how do those tribes, how do those people that have no, no background, no foundation of anything about God or Jesus Christ, how do they get saved? I'll tell you what, when you look up when you, in the evenings and you lay on, the, on your back and you look up at, those sky, at the sky and you see those stars, you have to come to the conclusion, there is someone bigger than us. There's a plan. There's a design. There's something that has taken place. And now it's amazing. This is the part I want to get to. Your response to the initial light, to the initial truth, and there's within you, there's actually a vacuum. It speaks of in Ecclesiastes. God made us with a special compartment that can only be filled with God. That's the way he made us. There's something, and you can search for the rest of your life. Bill Gates today, I'm afraid, doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior. And that man will spend the rest of his time, the rest of his fortune, the rest of anything to try to find, to fill that box that will not, short of Jesus Christ, be filled. Just because you've got money, just because you've got power, just because, and even if you go on the other side, you have nothing. That box can't be filled without Jesus Christ. 
That's the beauty. He's saying that God is no respecter of persons. I was just thinking right now. My daughter told me yesterday, she said, Dad, about 98% of people that hear, have heard you teach, they say two things about you. You're really passionate and you're really intense. I said, that's me. That's the way it should be, right? Because God wants us to be passionate about Jesus, doesn't he? But here's the deal. The light that you've been given, the little glimpse of truth, how do you respond to that? That's what Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. If you're seeking God, you will find him. Now, here's a man, Cornelius. We know he's not saved. This is the other part. There are men, there are guys that would teach and say, well, it was a separate event of receiving the Holy Spirit, which I, you know, we read it in its entirety that he was actually saved. No, I want you to go to this passage right now. Go to, uh, you're in Romans. We're okay with where we dropped that, right? Let, let, let's, let's put a little, uh, a little snippet on that. Let's put a bow on it. Um, nature itself speaks of God. How do you respond to that? And I don't know where God takes you ultimately, but somewhere in there, he will unfold more light. It's your initial response. What do you do with the light that he's given to you? Creation is the first. Um, are you going to take the evolution theory, the route, which makes zero sense, zero sense. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your science is. I don't care what your background. I don't care. It makes no sense. It's stupid. Did I say that loud enough? Creation smacks of a creator. It speaks of God. What will you do with that? Are you going to seek him? Are you going to try to deny it and make self just like Adam and Eve did? They traded God for self. Ah, what a stupid trade, right? But don't make yourselves any glorious. Don't make yourself with that pride backing up right up, comes right up the back of your neck. You would have done the same thing. The lust of self is amazing. I told you that. I'll just share it for a moment again. That young man that asked me, you had 20 minutes left of your life. What are you going to tell me? The thing that just keeps resonating, don't underestimate the power of self. Don't take it for granted. Don't think you own it. Don't think that you can control it by yourself. You cannot do it. That's the deal. You have the God of self versus the God of gods, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Don't underestimate that. If you let self control you, and think of, think of our books that are out there right now. How to be number one. How to look out for yourself. Oh, no, no, no. We don't need to look out for ourselves. We need to watch out for ourselves. And Jesus says that really well. Now I lost where I was going to go. That bunny trail took me too far away. Where was I at? Um, you asked us if we, if, if that took care of that. Well, if the same was wrong, if that was solved, Romans. Okay, in other words, those, those that don't, have never heard of Jesus. I just know my God well enough, and I'm watching, right, Cornelius is a perfect example. Cornelius is in Caesarea. That's a Gentile town. He works for a Gentile guy. He has no God. He just knows there is one. And he's looking and he's seeking. And God prepares his heart. That's the deal. Prepares his heart. And all of a sudden, God says in a vision, there's a man in Joppa. His name is Peter. He's living at another guy's place called Simon, who's a tanner. And I talked about that. Simon Peter to be, to be residing with a tanner is crazy for a Jew. Crazy. God is just working step by step. Look back in your life. Go back 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Don't go any further than that. It's too, too depressing how young you were then, right? <laughs> but just think about it. Just look at the travels that God has brought you through. 
He's just working on you one little chip at a time, right? A little sanding here. Well, and sometimes he's got to take a hatch and whack a big chunk off, right? And those are the good days because when you turn around, oh, thank God for that, right? Sometimes the sandings, we're not thankful enough for what God has done. Let's compare even, you know, a couple years ago. And he said, you know what? I was different. Well, of course you were because God's not done with you. He's not done with us, right? Some of the things that happen today that would you know, just push you to implode or blow up, you know what? Because of God's strength, the power of the Holy Spirit as you yield to it allows you to remain in control. That's cool, isn't it? That's God working. He's, he's not done with you. And I'm going to say in my case, when I look in the mirror, I say, boy, am I glad you're not done with me yet. <laughs> and there's people that live with me. My wife, he's not done with him yet. He's still working on him, right? Isn't that good? That's good. That's God. That's God. Where was I going to take you? That might help me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. That's where we're going. Because we'd have to say this. Boy, the intensity is incredible, isn't it? I hope it's good. I hope it's a good intensity. At the same time, it's interesting to notice. Now, we get the feeling that from what we've discovered about Cornelius, he was devout, right? He was a religious person. Now, that that doesn't do anything for me anymore. When somebody tells me, Larry, you're so religious. Oh, oh, I hope not. Right? It's, that's, that's not it. Because religious is me trying to do stuff to appease a God. Like, oh, we just read a verse. God doesn't work that way. He's got, I got a payment. It's coming up. It's due. It's a balloon payment. If you, you're in the real estate world. I've got a balloon payment. And it means my payment is death because I'm a sinner. Oh, that's hard to pay. But God said, you know what? I'm going to make that payment for you. I'm going to do it through Jesus Christ. I'm going to send him, Jesus Christ, God's son, to this earth to pay my debt. And at the bottom of my bill, now I can present this. Isn't that a fun one to present? Paid in full. That's a thumbs up. Isn't that good? That's great. That's what it's all about. And if you haven't got that done, if you still have a bill, you've got a payment coming up, it's a balloon payment, and it means death, you need to get that fixed. You know what? Peter gave some great words not only to that Cornelius and his household, It's good news to you today. Salvation is open. Salvation is available. Today, today, this minute. If you don't know Christ, this minute, he's available. So I was going to, now see, I got off track one more time. Uh, Let's go to Acts chapter 11, though. Uh, This man is not saved. He may be viewed as godly. Quotes around that. He may be viewed a lot of things, but let's look. Acts chapter 11. Now, as we're turning to this, we'll be getting to this uh, in a couple of weeks, probably. Uh, what, what's happening is Peter now, because he's, 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 he's been doing some stuff, right? I mean, there's people that have received the Holy Spirit in Samaria. There's people now, the Gentiles in Caesarea. He's going to go back and report. He's going to go back and report. You know what? It's the same Holy Spirit in all of these groups that tell us we're all of the same body. Jews and Gentiles together, and he's making that assessment. He's the one that has the door keys to the church. You find him at every place that the Holy Spirit has been given. Peter is there because he's the one that is authenticating and sealing the deal by saying the Holy Spirit is in and on every segment of those. We're not segmented. We're together. That's the book of Max. It's not about who gets the Holy Spirit. It's why they got the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 11, verse 14. He's selling this, saying this to the Jews back in Jerusalem. He showed us how, verse 13, he had seen an angel in his house. He's relaying to 
Cornelius, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. Did you see that? They weren't saved before Peter came. Peter came so that they could hear about Jesus and could be saved. They had responded, and I'm saying they carefully because there were others besides Cornelius that were saved on that day. But Cornelius particularly was the one that responded to a little bit of light, a little bit of truth. He was seeking God. And you know what? If you or anyone is seeking God, you will get more light, and you will get more light, and you will get more light. And eventually... You will find God. God finds you, but you understand what I'm saying. The attitude, the soft, the submissiveness of your will. So we have the sovereign, the sovereign uh, sovereignty of God, but we also have a submissive will to the light's been discovered. Back to Acts chapter 10. Let's keep going. If you notice, we've gotten bogged down a bit. He opened his mouth, verse 34, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of person. That's a mouthful right there. But in every nation, he that feareth him, in every nation, this is everywhere in the world, and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. Oh, my goodness. He's Lord of all. Is there something this world does not have? Is peace. The one thing we know 100% of the time, every single tree's peaty that's ever been made by men is broken. 100% of the time. The only one that hasn't probably is the one that was made today that hasn't had enough time to be broken. They're all broken. Now, what would be the most valuable thing that you could possibly have is to have peace with God. And a person that does not know Jesus Christ personally, not only does not have peace, cannot have peace, regardless of what they chase after. I don't know why I'm picking on Bill Gates today, but Bill Gates needs Jesus. He does. And Bill Gates is not at peace. I can tell you that. Not because I say that, because the Bible says if you don't have Jesus Christ, and because in, in fact, let's, let's take a look at this verse. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Talk about the importance of Jesus. Romans chapter 2, verse 14 says this. Romans 2, 14. I'm sorry, it's Ephesians. That's what I meant. I thank you for clarifying. Ephesians chapter 2. Boy, I wanted to go to Romans again, didn't I? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. And there's a whole lot of things in chapter 3 that Paul talks about the mystery of the Gentiles. and the, but It's crazy, right? Okay. But let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of a partition between us. Oh, that, that verse is so rich. Oh, my goodness. Let's turn over to chapter 3 of Ephesians. Chapter 3. Look, look at the mystery. This is Paul unfolding this doctrinally. For this cause I, Paul, verse 1, verse 1, chapter 3, Ephesians. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation you made known unto me the mystery. The mystery. I wrote a four in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Semicolon, watch. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by, by the gospel. That was the big mystery that had never been fully understood until now. The book of Acts is about this this culmination of that mystery where the Jews and Gentiles and Samaritans and anybody imaginable will be together in the church. Oh, my goodness. I say praise God. Right? Wow. Peace. 
The world has no peace. There's no peace. Uh, if you think about it, there was no peace to be had. There couldn't be. The day that Adam and Eve traded God for self, sin divided them from God. And that chasm, that grand canyon, if you will, just broadened and it's deeper. You don't, you don't rappel down and go across and rappel. No, it doesn't work like that. That would probably be religion's way of doing it, right? Well, let's rappel down and then we'll go over and we'll rappel up to God. No, heavens, no, you can't do that. But guess, guess what Jesus did, though? Don't worry about the These are cheap. I, <laughs> I should get some good ones, but I don't. Yeah, I, I'm too rough on stuff. Uh, but Jesus Christ came, and you know what? His life, his very essence of his being, got slapped across that chasm, and he's the bridge from humanity to God. The cross of Jesus Christ literally is the only way you can come to God. And it was God's design. He, at every level, designed it. And you take a step back on this side. Now, there's, there's many men and women and children today. And I say children, those that know the difference between right and wrong. Okay? I don't know. For different people, that's different. For me, I was six years of age. I mean, I knew I was a sinner. Boom. And I don't know how my mom did it, but she was good. She pushed that button. And I said, whew, what am I going to do about that? Well, you know what? I, just as a, and that's interesting, isn't it? What does a six-year-old know? Not a lot. Now, a 16-year-old knows everything. <laughs> right? It's amazing. It's amazing how much knowledge we lost after we got out of our teenager. He used it or survived it, right? Wasn't it uh, Mark Twain? He says, um, how did he say that? I shouldn't even get an adventure in somewhere. But it was like, you can, when they bit to be a teenager, you put them in a barrel, right? And you feed them through the noddle. And, the, and when they're 16, you nail, the, you nail it shut, right? <laughs> There's a point in there in which it's amazing. And you know what's amazing? And that catches them by surprise. And, and I'm not picking on teenagers because I tell you what, what you do with those in the sense of understanding humility. But it's amazing sometimes how it, it just overpowers them because they think they know it. They know everything. Now, the really bad part is, is I know some 80-year-olds that are still teenagers, if you understand what I'm saying. They're hard to be around, aren't they? Humility is a learned thing. And the more you know you don't know, the easier it is to be accepting of how great our God is. And the more you look at God, the easier it is to see humility. But here we are. Honestly, Peter is doing a fantastic job of opening this up, talking about peace. Uh, Jesus Christ is that bridge that spans the gulf that sin created. He's Lord of all. Not only Lord of the Jews, not only Lord of Gentiles, he's Lord of all. There's no other Lord. Let's keep going. That word I say, you know, you know this, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Oh, that verse. How amazing is that? Now, have you noticed something? Every time the Holy Spirit shows up, there's power. They go together. You in your life, it says to yield to the Spirit, right? Be filled with the Spirit. You know when, what happens when you're filled with the Spirit? There's power that comes. Your weakness is traded for power. Those are the people I want to hang around with, the ones that are full of the Holy Ghost, right? Because they're full of rich with power. Power. It says that he was healing 
he went about doing good. That's just, just, that just in a sense I'm thinking of just Jesus did good. Yeah, yeah, I bet he did in healing all that were oppressed of the, of the devil. Now, the two things that Satan has always used to oppress, to deny, to weaponize is disease and death. Those are his two weapons. He uses them really. And you know what? If we didn't have sin, we'd have neither one of those. And actually, if we didn't have Satan, probably wouldn't have sin. And if you don't have sin, you don't have disease, you don't have death. Think of all that Jesus did on this earth. He was right in, in Satan's face, wasn't he? Every step of the way. He was conquering disease. He was conquering death. That's what he did. And people knew it. He's saying, this is not new information. Let's keep rolling. God was with him. We are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Did you notice what he did? He went from salvation is available to saying salvation is in Christ. He's now, the theme, as Peter did every single sermon, you watch and act every single sermon, Jesus Christ is front and foremost, right in the center of it. Nothing Nothing escapes or, or veers off from Jesus. Verse 40, him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. He showed him, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God. Did you see that? Remember in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it tells of all of the people that Jesus appeared to in his post You know what? Those were chosen. Those were given the opportunity to witness the visible appearing of Jesus Christ in his post-resurrection form. Even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. I, I, Peter, was one of those. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness. All of us speak of that. That through his name, whosoever, watch this now, we're changing. We're going from salvation's available, salvation is in Christ, to watch now, salvation is by faith. Watch what he does that whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Poof. He's laid it out. Now watch what happens. Do you feel like Peter's on a roll? He's just like just flipping the page of his notes to really get excited about what's coming next. Watch what happens next. This is so good. When God's work, I mean, so when the Holy Spirit is preparing hearts, this is what happens. While Peter yet spake these words, he's in the middle, middle of his sermon, The Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. Whoa. Now, you say, what does that mean? Well, what do we know about the Holy Spirit? He doesn't fall on unbelievers. When they heard believe Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, the end of the matter tells us that's exactly what they did. And the Holy Ghost falls on them and literally envelops or indwells them at that very moment to them that heard the word. They received it. For, for faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's what happened. Literally, the Holy Spirit does not fall on, as I've said already, on those that do not know Jesus Christ. Whoa. The sermon's over by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> In other words, it's almost like God says... Uh, Peter, that'll be enough. We've got it done. <laughs> Those people were so ready, so ready. Isn't that crazy? They're so ready. It was like uh, there was a pastor got on a plane. I mean, I've shared this with you before. He sits down, and right beside him, this guy says, what do you do? He says, well, I'm a pastor. He says, oh, do you think you could tell me how to receive Christ? <laughs> this, this guy says, 
That should have been two hours away, right? But no, but who did that work? The Holy Spirit. You've probably run into somebody in your travels, and it was like God had you exactly in the right place at the right time for them to literally experience the accepting of Christ. That wasn't you. You were part of the blessing because our job is, now you think of all of this. Think what God did. In Joppa, he's preparing Cornelius' heart. In, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I did that wrong. In Joppa, it was Peter. He was preparing his heart as being the messenger, the messenger. In Caesarea, he's preparing a Gentile's heart. These two have never seen each other. They are so, so far apart. I can't, I can't think of someone that I would be even more far apart than those two in our, in our own lives. Right? I don't know. It would be crazy. God's preparing it. You know what he didn't do, though? This is the part he didn't do. He put it all together. I mean, they're showing up at the doors of each other when they're just ready at the perfect time. But you know what does not happen? This is what's up to us. He didn't give them the message. That's our job. That's what the Holy Spirit did for Peter. Peter expressed the message through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why you have the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons is for the power to witness to others. I don't know why God did it that way. I don't know why he doesn't have a lot, a lot of angels just gathered up downtown Sheridan. And on a Friday afternoon, they kind of sit in the air and they say, listen, people, you better pay attention. This salvation is going to go by if you don't pay attention. Right now, you need to, this, this is it. Jesus Christ died for you. But you know what? Let's think about that for a second. Let's just actually have, I'm making this totally up. This is not in my notes. I don't know where this is coming from. It's a little spooky, but I'm going to tell you, it just resonates. If there was an angel on a Friday night, right above Walters, or, you know, on Main Street, and bar crowd's out, everybody's there, it's 8 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night, I don't care what it is, you see where I'm going with this, right? And all of a sudden there's an angel, he said, you know what, I want to talk to you about Jesus Christ. He lived on this earth, and he paid a price that you can't pay. Because tonight, if you don't know Jesus, you're headed to hell. You're headed for death. Now, it might wow them, right? The wow factor would be pretty, whoa, did you see that? Well, let me share with you why I think God has us do the message. That man or woman that trusts Christ, their lives are changed. I'm thinking of Elton even today. Elton was saved in that little room right back there. God used his physical ailment to bring him to a point of preparing his heart for eternity. And I still remember it was like yesterday. He had some questions. We end up back in the little nursery and he, he's on his knees and he's asking Christ to come into his heart. Now the really cool part is, is there's other members of his family that don't know Christ. And that's like for all of you. You all have members of family. But you know what they can't argue with? is when you are of Christ and the Holy Spirit indwells you, you change. His daughters can't argue with who he has become. Does he have physical? Of course he does. In fact, we're going to continue to pray for him. But his, his eternity is safe. Last time I prayed with him, they were on the way to Seattle. I said, the end's fixed. It's just the in-between. How many people are you going to touch? How many people are God going to use for your life to touch theirs. You see, there's something personal. Why did Jesus Christ come as a human? Why didn't he just shout it? Why didn't God just shout as a herald angel and just, because people don't get it. You know when we got it? And there's this story at Christmas time that played many times, but there's this guy in the house and he told his wife he didn't want to go to the Christmas Eve service. I don't want to go. You can hear it, right? This is the guy that doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. He's like, rawr, rawr. And so 
She goes off to Christmas Eve service, and he's there. And this, this blizzard comes in. And these little sparrows were really struggling. And he's looking out the window. And they're trying to get it. They're trying to get some cover. And he's thinking, well, if you just go to the barn, I mean, it's just, right, just, just go into the barn, right? Now, I'm struggling with this already. A sparrow knows how to get into a barn. If you want to go down to my shop, they're in the shop when they don't need to be, right? But that's a whole other level. And he said, what could I do? You know, and he actually goes outside and he shoes them, you know, tries to shoot. Well, then you know how that works. <laughs> Didn't work. And then it had like a ton of bricks. If I could become a sparrow, I could tell them where to go. And then the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ hit right square in the head. And he says, that's why Jesus came as a man. That's why he was a man, so that he could tell us from our perspective. Isn't that exactly what salvation is? That's why it's our job, and I say that carefully, job is not the right word. It's privilege, our privilege to share with others. And your life does that. Your walk may be louder than your talk, and that's okay. That's okay. Because if your walk and your talk don't match up, they're not hearing anything. They're just watching your walk. Make sure they match. <laughs> Make sure they match. But you know what? There's something really cool about that. God uses that more than... He, he doesn't... Did you see this? Peter was doing the work of the message, but God was doing the work of the heart. And he just says, you gotta, to, to be saved, it's available to all. Jesus Christ is the way to salvation, but it's by faith. And as soon as he said that, they're on it. They're, they received him. Isn't that a fantastic? How would you like to be interrupted? You say you should be interrupted regularly, but to know that someone just literally accepted Christ because of just the words of the gospel have been shared, and that's it. That's all they need. The Holy Ghost captured. Now, how do we know the Holy Ghost? Now, when you accepted Christ, you received the Holy Spirit. Could anyone tell that? No, that's not normal. Of course not. It's an invisible thing. It's something that God is... He's not visible. And yet, that happened. Look at this. Now, this is, now this, who is this for? What is the evidence for? The evidence is for Peter, because he's in Gentile territory. He's also got something on his plate from Samaria, and he's got to go back to Jerusalem and report back to the rest of the core group of the church. What's he going to be able to tell them? You know, I think the Holy Spirit came on them. I think, because they look different. No, no, it's deeper than that. Let's watch. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, fell on all of them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision. These are the Jews now, which believed were, did you see the word? Astonished. As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Watch. For they heard them speak with tongues or languages and magnify God. The very same Holy Spirit that fell on the feet. This would be the Gentiles' Pentecost, if you will. What's happened right here in this home of Cornelius. Each and every time the Holy Spirit fell on the evidence was for them to speak in languages they didn't know, but to glorify God in it. And did you notice something? It's not just one person. This is another thing that's very interesting in the whole tongues movement is it's usually singular or it's individualized. No, 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 no. Did you notice here? The whole group were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke languages. It was not just one. It was very big. Boy, this is crazy. These Jews are astonished. They're in a Gentile home, which is, first of all, I mean, I don't know how they got them there. Walls were being broken down. You know, there's walls in our lives that need to be broken down too, isn't there? Sometimes when you get in the quietness of your heart, it's amazing the prejudices, the things that we hold pretty, pretty close. Those walls are up. You know what? Those walls need to come down. 
they need to come down. The only one that can do that is literally the Holy Spirit using the Word of God to break those walls down. You start to see clearly that God's mission field is every single person. Rich, not rich, famous, not famous, in the jungle in New York City or the jungle in South America. The jungle's in Sheridan. And what do I mean by that, Larry? There are men and women and children walking these streets, driving up and down these streets, that haven't even had the sense of Jesus Christ cross their mind in who knows, ever. There are homes that now don't have Bibles. That's how far we've been removed as a nation. Right? It's, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, now in my home, I, wouldn't, I couldn't tell you how many Bibles I have. I have a lot of them, and I love to give Bibles away. I love to give them away. When I have any sense, any sense of a desire. No, I mean, not even a desire. But if I'll even ask, would, could I get you a Bible? And no, I always want to get their name on it because I want to personalize. I want them to dig into it. There isn't anything better because faith cometh, by, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That faith that was actualized right there that Peter gave in a message, you know what? This is the beauty of this. It's all right here. It's right here. You read those Gospels, and you see how they reacted to truth. The light was turned on a little. How is that heart going to respond? That's how God works today is through his word, just like he's always done it. That's why are you a giver of Bibles? I mean, I'm not telling you to do that, but isn't it fun to be able to just share truth, something that's really true? And there's, and there's sometimes, you know, I don't understand it. I don't know. I said, just keep reading it. You're okay. Just keep reading it. Take the Gospel of John. Just start reading. Start in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning was God. In the, in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. They work on that one for about 18 years, right? Just get that right. When you believe God created you, you're on a good roll. When somebody in the jungle looks up and says, there's someone bigger than I am. And I didn't start where he was. It's one of the biggest fallacies I've heard is, as God once was, we are. And as God is, we shall become. No! <laughs> no! That's a major cult today that believes that. No. Jesus Christ died for us because we were sinners. The Holy Spirit has fallen on them. Power is there. In verse 47, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Peter says, what's keeping them from being baptized, from making a confession of their faith? Nothing. Holy Spirit is there. Obviously, they've accepted Christ, right? I mean, that's, again, that's the seal. That's the authority. So here, now we've got, when the Holy Spirit takes over, we have power. Now, if there's not power in your life today, and I'm not being critical in any way, because I'm the same. There's days that I am pretty powerless. And you know why I'm powerless? Because I'm depending on my own strength. When I'm depending on my own strength, I am absolutely, without question, weak. Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Isn't that great? The weaker you are in your own strength, the stronger you become. And God will get you through circumstances. And it's amazing how some days you start out the same, and then you say, whoa, that was the day. It's God that gets you through that. The Holy Spirit literally is what strengthens you and holds you up. But to make confession, and this is what happens after one receives the Holy Spirit. One is power. It's obvious the power that comes on your life. And if he's not, you're not yielding. There's not an eagerness and obedience, right? Oh, I suppose. Remember I told you that story? There's two brothers, right? And the dad says to one, would you, go, uh, you, would you mind go out and uh, mow the lawn? And he didn't say that, but I, I want to get you here. I want to get you in reality. 
you know, Dad, no, I'm not going to mow the lawn. <laughs> so if your dad, you really want to whack him alongside the head, but whatever, you know, he's, okay, well, I got, I got another one. I got another choice. Uh, son number two, uh, would you want to, yeah, sure, Dad, yeah, got it, got it, I'm on it. Well, the first son, that was kind of bad, wasn't it, of me? I mean, I, I, I'm going to go just, I'm just going to mow the lawn. Second son, you know, on second thought, I don't want to mow the lawn. I'm not going to mow the lawn. Now, which one did the father's will? First one, right? Right? Because <laughs> he did it. He obeyed. But what's even better is if the first son would have said, hey, can't wait to do it, Dad. How do you want it mowed? Short? Long? You want, you want, should, I, should I trim? Should I? Do you see what I'm saying? Are we, are we going to go the extra mile to really please God in his obedience? Or are we just going to, okay, I can't believe you're asking me that. Right? How many of us as Christians wander around like that? Well, okay. <laughs> Consider what God's done for us. We should be eager. And I mean eager to obey. But there's one more. This is another thing. As, as I, and I'm always, I'm always so impressed with, with people of like precious faith, how open they are to fellowship. Look at this group. This is brand new. Now, again, they, they've never met each other. This isn't like, oh, you're my, my lost cousin from, you know, 16 generations. No, 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 no. These people don't know each other. There's 50 reasons not to be together. The Gentile Jew thing, right? Look at this. Watch this. This is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on board. It means people are saved. And he commanded them to be baptized, verse 48, in the name of the Lord. Of course, it would be in the name of the Lord, no one else. Then prayed they, him, to tarry certain days. <laughs> hey, Peter, don't go home yet. Let's have a party. Let's fellowship together. I want you just, let, let's continue to just fellowship. Isn't that true? Christians love to be around Christians. It's the way it is. Holy Spirit gives power. There's confession. Because you really want to be known for what you've become. And if you don't, you're probably not saved. If you're not, if you're not, in other words, let's take a look. Do you remember what, what he said? Uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, right? Uh, look, at, look at this in Acts chapter 4. Talk about exclusivity. Back to chapter 4, verse 12. Uh, Peter's he's preaching again. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved. Oh, oh preach out to the highest heavens. Bring it out. Bring it out. It's amazing how the isms and how they can get close. They'll just, it's like making uh, Christianity or following Jesus a buffet. You know, you can, you can have a little bit of lettuce and you can have, well, I have some chicken over here. And as long as you just sort of get to the end of the line, you can have anything in your plate you want and it doesn't matter. No, no, no. If Jesus is in front and center and accepting his gift by faith, you haven't eaten or tasted of salvation. Can't be done. Can't be done. So let's, let's summarize. This is, this, is, this is fantastic. I mean, Peter was literally abruptly interrupted in halfway through his sermon because he'd gotten every the message they needed. And that's what was, remember, that's what Cornelius said. Tell us what we need to know. Think of it. God gave him exactly what he needed. No more. Salvation's available. You, a Gentile in Caesarea, can know Jesus. I'm sorry, you can be saved. You can be saved. Oh, that's a touchdown. And the way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. And then they shares about him, that he is our peace, and that he was known around the world, really, literally. 
And then that is accept, that's, that's made by faith. It's available. It's in Christ. It's through faith. Boom. Party's over. They accepted it. Holy Spirit falls on them. They have power. They have confession. And they have fellowship. Isn't that just the way it works today? It really is. I'm telling you. But the, here's, here's what we go. Here's, here's the part of that procedure. Not, not procedure. You Saved instantaneously. Don't mark that. This isn't a procedure. Saving is not a long-term agenda. Saving is instantaneous, just like the birth of a child. Now, there's preparation coming up to it. The mother is, you know, pregnant for nine months, and there's labor, and there's all, those are all preparatory. But at the birth, that's instantaneously. I mean, it happens, and that's post-birth or pre-birth, correct? That's how salvation is. We're born again, as he said to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, Okay. Nicodemus, hey, I'll be glad to know that. Nicodemus, <laughs> wow. Sorry, sorry. Um, but after you're saved, now that begins a whole process. Now, here's where we fail, is not accentuating and not grabbing all of the power that is available to us through the Holy Spirit, because most of the time we're not eager to obey God instantaneously. I mean, just like immediate. Did you see Cornelius? Immediately I called. Immediately, right away. And when you are knowing to do something right, and it's amazing in your, you know, it's about right there, isn't it? Right in your head where you know you're supposed to do that. Well, not right now. It'll be tomorrow. I can get to it. No, that holds you up from having the power that God wants to give to you. And God wants you to be powerful in the spirit. It's not like, well, I don't know, Larry. I don't know if I want you to. No, I'm not going to. No, you just keep going on your weakness. No, of course not. He wants the Holy Spirit and power to go together and for you to witness to all and literally to know that you're saved. That's another reason. In prayer, have you ever had those moments where it's so severe, it's so amazing, it's so over the top, you don't even know how to pray. You don't even know what to pray for. I'm going to close with this because I've been there. You've been there. Ooh, look at this. Two glasses. Wow, we're set up. Let's go to Romans chapter 8 for a moment. This is, this is, this is life-breathing to me because you've probably had that. I don't even know what to pray. I don't even know what to do. Look at this. We'll start in verse 22. I don't know why we could start in verse 18, but let's start in verse 22, Romans chapter 8. For we know that the whole world, I'm sorry, the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Isn't that true? You can just feel it everywhere you're at. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirits, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of our body. I mean, we're, we're like that. We want to see it's in its complete fruition. For we are saved by hope, and hope that is not that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, watch. The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Oh, thank goodness. For we know not what we should pray as we ought. Isn't that true? Stop for just a second. Just let that soak for a moment. There's sometimes I'm praying and I don't even know what to say. I don't even know where to go. I don't even know what to pray for. God, I'm not smart enough to know what to pray for right now. The Holy Spirit does the next. Watch this. Let's keep going. But the Spirit itself, not, not someone else, the Spirit himself itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he searches the hearts, knoweth, and he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's why we know the next verse, and this is a verse we pop out of that whole context. That's why verse 28 makes so much sense, is we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to His purposes. That verse is there because the Holy Spirit is doing the work when we don't even know how. We have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? 
I can't begin to tell you, right? At the end of each day, I'm getting better now, turning around and just going through it, and I thank God for all the good stuff that happened and the lack of really bad stuff that could have happened. We had an incident yesterday that literally could have been really, really bad, really bad. But you know what? God in his mercy, I I don't know why it happened, but it is what it is. But the point of the matter is, it could have been a thousand times worse. Do we thank God for those events? I'm getting better at it, right? He said to me, for all things work together for good. Not all things are good. All things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to Spirit. That verse means so much to me because there's someone bigger than me that's behind me, that the Holy Spirit literally, when I don't even know what to pray for or know how, He is doing it for me. Oh, praise God. I'm glad Jesus left the earth. Are you? The disciples, I don't know about that. You know what? One more verse. You okay? Let's go to John chapter 16. John, we'll start in actually John chapter 14. Let's go there for a moment. John chapter 14, verse 16. John 14, 16. I will pray the Father. Oh, let's stop. Ooh, look at this. Verse 15 is the one before it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, and he may, that he may abide with you for a day, for a week, forever. Forever. Anyway, it says the Spirit comes and goes, missed it. Chapter 16, verse 7, and we'll leave it at this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you. It's best for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. That is great news. Holy Spirit is in every one of you today that has trusted Christ as Savior. There's strength that you don't even know you have. The fullness of God is literally enveloping you as John, I'm sorry, as Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. You have all of God within you. Are you using him? Are you allowing him to do everything that you need him to do, uh, that he wants you to do? That's how he shapes you. He shapes you from the inside out. That's why someone can come up to you and say, wow, you have really changed. What's going on? And you can say, it's not me, it's God. Isn't that good? That's good stuff. All right. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. You're here because Cornelius' heart was seeking God. He's a Gentile. Peter, because his heart was right with God, gives him the message. Peter unfolds it. He doesn't get very far in his sermon. I'm sure he had 16 more pages to go. Salvation is available to all. Salvation is through Christ, and it comes by faith. Boom! They're on. You know what it tells me? We need to be praying more for the world around us. There are men and women that need to be prayed for that God would work in their hearts that would allow them to see the importance of their future. I've left that man's name. And I don't know why he's not in my, he's not in my notes. But he made, it made an impression on me yesterday in, in just visiting with him. I want you to pray for that man. He's reaching out. He's re, in, in a, on full, and he, I was safe. I mean, honestly, we know each other well. He knows that what he told me I can be trusted with. But think of that. For him to share those things meant that I think God's preparing his heart. So let's keep the Holy Spirit working on preparing his heart, right? All right, questions or comments? Second Peter 3. Yep. Yeah. 
Oh, we dropped that one, didn't we? What a great place. To, this truly is a place to end. And you're saying, Larry, you've ended for 30 minutes. Okay, but let's go there. Just This is it. Promise. You can, you can blame Yvonne for this one. Okay, 2 Peter chapter 3. And we did drop the ball badly, as I think about it. This is God's, and this is, you know, you talk about sovereignty of God, submission, or or, uh, will of man. You know, those those things, we we can't quite remedy at all. But look at this. This is God's idea. I know how we got caught off on that. It was the second coming of Christ. Uh, But beloved, verse 8, this is chapter 3, 2 Peter, verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. In other words, don't get caught up in time with God. God created time. And it says the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. He's not patient with us, because patience would mean it would be a trial. God is not formed by any trial, but He is long-suffering, okay? Not willing that, watch this, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That verse to me speaks of the love of God that is, there's no walls. There's no walls. Now, man's responsibility is to be submissive to what he's been given opportunity. I think of, uh, I, I'm thinking of people that had, no resp- had really nothing in their background about God, but when they were given the opportunity to have truth, it was like they were drawn to it. That's what I'm talking about. What truth or what light you have, how do you respond to that? God will honor that by giving you more and more and more. And ultimately, in Cor- Cornelius' situation, he was saved by the message that came from Peter. I mean, this is, this is, I don't know what a double touchdown is, but that's crazy good, isn't it? And then to think of the faith of Cornelius. He didn't know anything about Peter. He didn't know what he was going to say. And yet he said, calls his family, not on the phone, but you know what I'm saying. He calls him. He says, there's a guy coming that's going to talk to us about God. I think you should be here. Think of that. He didn't know what he was going to say. And they're there. He's filling the house. And it said all of them heard that and were saved because the Holy Spirit fell on them. This is crazy. I mean, I, I, can't, I couldn't be more excited. In fact, you didn't probably notice that today. But it's exhilarating to know that our God is that caring and that loving to deal with Gentiles, right? There's a homeless today that are in Bozeman. I mean, that's a mess. City council is not, nobody wants to deal with it. You know, who, you know, you know what the first and foremost thing is? They need to know Jesus Christ. They need to have a home in Christ's kingdom, right? <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word that we can gain strength from it. The fellowship that we've had even in these moments here, Father, and the power of the Spirit is beyond our understanding. It's strength that we don't even know the depths of, and yet it's part of the power, the dunamis that literally comes from you, Father. Uh, This week, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know the future at all, but you do. You know how everything's going to unfold, and we can know with certainty because you are God, because you are sovereign, because you are beyond what we can even possibly infinitely comprehend, Father, that you've got it. You've got There's things we won't understand. There's things we won't be able to unravel, literally, maybe on this side of heaven, maybe not ever. But the point of the matter is, Father, you have our back. You're bigger. You're more grandiose. You're more awesome. You're more loving, more merciful, more full of grace than we can even possibly get a measure of. And that's why we can say that in all things, we're safe because you are God and we are yours. Every person that's trusted Christ as Savior has become a child of the King, a fellow heir 
with Jews, Gentiles, Samaritans, whomever it might be, blacks, whites, Chinese, you name it, we all come the same through Jesus. Father, we pray for our nation, not only our nation, we pray for the world. Eight billion people canvassing this globe, increasing. And yet, Father, the need for Jesus is exponential. I just ask, Father, that you would work through the Holy Spirit in hearts and minds. Questions would be asked internally that would drive them to the light, would drive them to truth. And Father, may we be part of the message team as that baton was passed from Jesus to the apostles to go to the uttermost parts of the world. Even that, and how he said that, would have broken down any walls. May we share the gospel, Father, with our walk, with our talk, and may they be synonymous. May they speak of the majesty of Jesus. As John the, John the Baptist said, I must, he must increase, I must decrease. That's what our lives should be, more about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus, just like our song today. But Father, we don't know about tomorrow, but we know who holds tomorrow. That's our faith and trust in you. Thank you for what you'll do. Take us one step at a time on the journey to heaven, making us more like Jesus along the way. In Jesus' name. Amen.